the comic book pit. Okay. To the Comic Book Pit podcast. This is Comic Book Pit episode 350. I'm Dan, and this week Link and I talked to Kendra Boileau, publisher of Graphic Moody, the recently announced comics imprint from Penn State University Press. I do apologize in advance because we lost actually the first two or three minutes of this recording, but I assure you the best part of the conversation is totally intact. 2015, we launched a new book series called Graphic Medicine, um, and that series is intended to combine the publication of academic books by academic scholars who are studying the medium of comics, um, but also to publish some graphic novels um, and comics anthologies alongside of that. Um, when I was talking to the, the series editors, um, you know, I think I started talking with them around 2013, and that came about because there is a professor of English now, Professor Emerita at Penn State, um, who is one of the pioneers of, of what we call graphic medicine. Um, and so she, she and I got in touch on campus and started talking about the idea of having the series. Um, and, you know, my, my initial thinking about the way the series would go was that it would be mostly an academic series, um, publishing academic scholarship about the growing medium of, um, of, of graphic novels and comics. And it turned out actually to be the opposite. Um, we published more graphic novels in relation to the scholarship. Um, and I think that's just because it's taking scholars a while to sort of catch up um, uh, in, in, uh, with their publishing output. Um, comics as a literary medium have been um, perhaps not recognized, um, historically not recognized as a legitimate form of, uh, of artistic expression, uh, the way mm -hmm. poetry or creative nonfiction or, or uh, uh, fiction and literature have been. So uh, comics have been, in the past, I would say, uh, 10 years or so, comics have been gaining legitimacy as an area of scholarly inquiry um, really quickly. And so we find that in our graphic medicine series, we're publishing, we're increasing our output of scholarship about graphic novels, but also, um, and so that's sort of catching up. But the reason, so the reason, um, and, and so at the time when we started our graphic medicine book series at Penn State University Press, I believe, um, I don't think I'm misspeaking here, I believe that we were the first university press to publish an actual book series, um, including graphic novels. 
other university presses had been publishing graphic novels sort of on an ad hoc basis. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Harvard who published uh, Nick Susanis's um, Unflattening. Um, that was actually one of the first, if not the first, uh, uh, North American dissertation written in comics format. Um, and then other publishers, I think Mississippi, <coughs> excuse me, has a line of scholarship about comics, but also has been publishing perhaps I think some occasional graphic novels. Um, Ohio State University Press has stepped up recently um, in the past uh, perhaps five years um, in publishing comics, and they have a book series called Latina Graphics, um, edited by um, Frederick Luis Aldama. And um, these are graphic novels by Latinx writers and artists. Um, Naval Institute Press is the first, as far as I'm aware, the first university press that started publishing an imprint. Um, So an imprint differs from a book series at a university press in that the imprint, um, the the books published in the imprint carry the name of that imprint as the the publisher Mm -hmm. um, rather than Naval Institute Press. So in the case of Penn State, uh, when we launch our Graphic Mundi imprint, the, the graphic Mundi imprint will be on the book, um, not uh, Penn State University Press. So, so there's some sort of there's a bit of distancing from University Press publishing, which I'm hoping will sort of help us in the marketplace um, to be taken seriously as as a publisher of graphic novels, um, and you know, without all the baggage that comes along with people thinking of us as a as a university press, not necessarily bad baggage, but right. you know, it's a completely different kind of. It's a trade list mm-hmm. and out to general readers. So, so that's that's and 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 I think Graphic Mundi will be then the second the second imprint um, coming out of a university press devoted to graphic novels. So that's all very exciting, um, and yeah. So I've lost my train of thought here. That's okay. Uh, you may have to remind me what your other questions were. Oh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Remind me, uh, get me back on track here. Oh, that's Well, that's, well, actually uh, you, you kind of hit one of my other questions because I was wondering, you know, if, if to your knowledge, if there were any other schools that, that were doing this, that, you know, had um, dedicated imprints to, uh, to publishing comics and graphic novels, but, mm-hmm. but clearly there are. So you, um, so you kind of already had a, a model to work off of if, if needed or, but it sounds like you had a clear path to where you were going in the first place. Yeah. And I also wanted to explain another reason why, why graphic novels make sense for university presses. Um, I I mentioned earlier the rise in scholarship um, in the Academy about graphic novels um, Mm -hmm. uh, considered a more legitimate uh, uh, medium of expression. And also the realization among professors that graphic and, and other instructors that graphic novels can be incredibly useful in the classroom. Um, so graphic novels are going into the classroom more and more at the university level um, and also secondary level. And I think, um, uh, you know, so that's another reason why it makes sense for university presses to publish those. And then also because university presses are, um, it's necessary for us to diversify our list um, to include what we call trade publications, books for general readers, not um, not the narrowly focused books for for academics, because um, 
you know, there are some challenges in, in the scholarly marketplace um, at this point. And so one of the strategies that university presses have been adopting is to diversify the list, kind of like a financial portfolio, um, you know, have, have a segment of the list that is perhaps or hopefully more saleable to general readers um, to compensate for some of the lower sales that we realize on the more specialized scholarly titles. So there is a plan to, uh, like you said, diversify beyond just the uh, academic and the um, the medically related topics for the for the for the imprint. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So the the reason to go to an imprint was primarily a marketing reason. Um, we wanted to, our, our, our graphic medicine imprint combines, as I said before, you know, it wasn't purely a trade imprint. So I think that was a little confusing perhaps to, um, to the media and to general readers. Um, if we have w- with an imprint that is primarily a trade, that is strictly a trade uh, imprint of comics, um, I, th- I think, it'll be easier to brand it as such um, in a way, stepping away from the university press identity. Um, but of course, keeping all of the value that that brings, that that, that, mm-hmm. that brings to us as, as a publisher of this imprint. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, getting, getting a stronger presence in the, in the comics marketplace, um, in the graphic novel marketplace. And that's, that's been part of the strategy. We've, we've also hired a consultant um, to help us, you know, at least for this first year mm, as, okay. we, as we plan for and launch, launch the, the new imprint. Um, because, our, you know, as, as, as a new publisher in, to graphic novels, we just, it's taken a while for us to build up our, our marketing networks to reach the, the target audience. Having someone who has worked in uh, the trade comics world is is has been really helpful in helping us to broaden those networks and and maybe do things a little more differently uh, to to promote and and sell these these books. So so there's that, and then also um, you know gra- graphic medicine. The, I don't know how much you know about the graphic medicine group, but it really is a movement that's been growing so fast for the past 10, 10 years or so. Um, and they've been working to expand the notion of what graphic medicine means. Um, and, um, you know, there, there's not complete agreement among the group, um, but things like topics like uh, climate change um, or genocide war war topics um Mm -hmm. while not specifically medical um in all senses do address those topics but but the the feeling is that so so the point of of um changing the name well first of all graphic medicine is a is a trademarked uh name so we couldn't we couldn't use that. And well, we couldn't have two lines called graphic medicine. So we couldn't have a book series called graphic medicine mm-hmm. and an imprint called graphic medicine. Right. We're retaining the series called graphic medicine and that will publish the scholarship on, on graphic, on graphic medicine and also some comics that are, um, I guess the primary audience for those comics would be educators, practitioners, um, 
the non-general reader, non, non-trade audiences. And then with Graphic Mundi, these are books that will all have trade discounts and they will go um, to, to general readers, but also cross over to the, the groups I just, just mentioned. Mm-hmm. But I also felt that using the word Mundi sort of gave some latitude maybe to how, how we were thinking about the series, even though graphic medicine uh, advocates also are broadening their conception of w- what they're doing. And I, we chose Mundi because Mundi is, is, is worlds in plural, graphic worlds. Um, and, and, you know, part of what we're experiencing um, these days is, is really just sort of a lot of opposing points of view and um, not being on the same page and, and uh, people not listening to others and, you know, mm-hmm. it go on forever. And we chose Mundi because, yeah, we all, there, we all inhabit our own, our own different worlds that are um, in some ways narrow or unaware of the kinds of worlds other people across the globe inhabit. And the point of this is to present a diversity of viewpoints in the graphic novels we publish. And, you know, hopefully to remind people that, yeah, we're, we're all, we're all, we all bring our own perspectives, our own worldly perspectives and um, reminding people that, yes, we're different, but by, wanting to read about and understand and empathize with other people's experiences um, that we may not have been previously aware of that that's a really good thing. Um, and yeah, it, yeah, and it, it will draw us together. And so the tagline for the series um, is um, I just want to make sure I get this right. Where's the tagline mm-hmm. drawing our worlds together. So graphic Mundi drawing our worlds together. And that's um, that's really, that's the idealistic hope that um, readers will pick up one of these titles and say, um, yeah, I didn't really know much about, um, I didn't really know much about um, dating habits in Iran. And, um, and, and this is a book that we'll probably be bringing out in the fall. It's a translation, but how young people experience uh, dating and sexual relationships in Iran, a completely different culture. And it's, and, you know, it'll be, hopefully eye-opening. It was certainly eye-opening to me when I, when I read that book and um, just caught these, these kinds of things cause us these kinds of uh, stories that, that um, we weren't maybe aware of cause us to reevaluate how we think about our own experiences. And I feel like um, I I just, I'm really excited about this. I I think um, we'll offer hopefully something that will appeal to everyone at some point uh, throughout the imprint. The one thing I was wondering, um, not not so much uh, related to the diverse aspect of it, but uh, the distribution method that you have in mind, is it digital? Is it going to be like, is it going to be at um, uh, brick and mortar stores like Barnes and Noble or like local comic book shops or like? Yes, we we hope to. Yes, we hope. um, We hope so. I mean, we will be working to that. We haven't quite. Uh, we have we have to sort of figure out what our distribution strategy will be, but we will we have sales reps who will be um, you know uh, calling on those kinds of those kinds okay. of uh, bricks and mortars. You know, the digital question is really interesting. Some of that will have to do with rights because um, 
will be launching the launching the the imprint this January with six translations and then this COVID Chronicles um, anthology that you mentioned. In some cases, we may not have digital rights for the translations, ah, but, okay. but I think, um, and, and again, this is a work in progress, but I, I um, want to work with our consultant and, and come up with a, with a viable uh, digital strategy, especially because of, you know, recent events that are sort of causing yeah. <laughs> book publishers. Yeah. As you know, to think about, you know, the necessity of making material, available digitally because um so having having dual formats i think is really important when we can Mm -hmm. and um i'm just not i'm it's just not i'm just not clear at this point um to what extent readers consume graphic novels digitally um and you know this is i it's you know, I love books. I'm of a certain age where, you know, I've, (laughs) it's kind of pulling teeth for me to pick up a, to read something digitally. I prefer the book. (laughs) And also because so many graphic novels that, that come out from publishers are so nicely produced and the paper's beautiful. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it, it remains to be seen, you know, what, what sort of audience is there and for the digital, uh, and we'll, we'll sort that out in, in some way at some point shortly the the covid anthology will be will be in digital format for sure okay that make, yeah that makes sense so so being the publisher of, of the imprint what what does that entail what are what are some of your responsibilities um on a is you know is there a, a day-to-day type of thing is it a project by project type of uh responsibility yeah so some of both i mean we're we're still in the we're still in the organizing launching phase so what um what i've been spending the past um well when did i put out the call for the comics i think early april so um gotten about fi- a tremendous response 50 some pitches um from writers and or artists um and i'm spending a lot of time you know organizing that and and talking with people and and um helping to shape projects. At the same time, we are developing a Graphic Mundi website, which will hopefully go live at least in a, in a bare bones uh, version uh, in early June. So we need to get that up and running. We need to take care of some branding. We don't have our brand, you know, our, our logo type or um, any sort of logo established yet that needs to be done. The good news is that for me, at least at this point, um, we were hoping to launch this this imprint in the fall. Um, we have six translations that are, um, you know, in various stages of production at this point. So a lot of the work that I needed to do on those has already been done, and it's really now in production's hands um, because of you know we've had to temporarily suspend warehouse operations um, Mm -hmm. and we just did not want to release trade books um, in this climate. So we Mm -hmm. postponed, uh, you know, and then, so all of the spring trade books that we wanted to bring out, we have three trade graphic novels in the graphic medicine series um, scheduled for the spring. Those are, will be pushed to release in the fall starting in August. Um, We have a menopause anthology, which is kind of exciting. And we have two um, graphic, two translations from French graphic novels um, so those will come out in the fall, and then in the spring, we'll launch these six these six uh, uh, translations. Um, but so 
so there's this big picture stuff, you know, we need to get our branding in line, we have to get a website, we have to figure out the details about distribution and et cetera. At the same time, also, I need to speak with agents and start um, developing my networks um, with potential talent. Um, I've been I've been doing a lot on the in the on the foreign rights front, um, uh, working with uh, mostly European publishers at this point for acquiring rights because, um, and that's another. I think that's another way to build our imprint with diversity in mind because these graphic novels from German, French, Spanish, uh, uh, Belgian publishers um, are not, they're not accessible to Anglophone readers at this point. So making some of this material accessible to North American audiences or or English speaking audiences, um, I think is an important mission. Um, But what goes along with that is a lot of translation work, <laughs> which is, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I've, I've always been interested in translation as a, as a language student myself. So I'm enjoying this part of it, but, but it adds a dimension. Um, it, it adds a really important dimension, making sure the translation is, is, is worthy. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also translating a couple of these myself, which is, um, really delightful work. Um, it does take take a bit of time, mm-hmm. and and yeah. So you know, it's kind of a disorganized thing right now, just sort of jumping from one thing to another, figuring out what needs to be done, and and getting it done. At some point after we launch this, and things sort of simmer down, um, and I and we'll also probably have fewer translations on the list as we as we augment the list with. Um, uh, you know, original uh, works original to the English language. Um, as I build those networks and 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 am able to acquire um, those, then that will sort of even out with what we're launching the imprint with, um, which are translations, and and that can be sort of a quick way to launch to launch a line. Um, you know, it's as assuming that you can get a translation done uh, well and quickly. Mm-hmm. So you you mentioned um, people submitting pitches and stuff. How how does that process work exactly? Does is there like a do writers show up and say, "Hey, I have a story, but I need an artist," and you put them in touch with an artist, or is it sort of like bring your own creative team kind of a deal? Yeah, it's it's both of those. Are are you talking about for the anthology or for any? Yeah, the anthology, but in in general, I guess moving forward and yeah, so any kind of. I, I, I think it'll be a combination of those. We've certainly seen that for the anthology. Um, uh, we've, we've had some artists who have, who have um, gotten in touch and say, Hey, I'm willing to donate my, my services. If you have uh, a story that a script that needs an, ar- an artist, um, mm-hmm. I've had people pitch story ideas, but say, you know, I don't really, I don't, I don't have an artist in mind. So we're doing a little bit of trying to match artists with um, with writers, and then going forward, um, the same thing. Uh, you know, I I imagine we'll be doing we'll be trying to match talent that way, and then also working with. Um, Okay, can you hear my cat? Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's, that's okay. We we actually all we we all have animals. So okay. at at one at one point or another, you, you can probably, you know, in all of our shows, you can probably hear <laughs> hear one of our pets. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, she wants to contribute to this conversation. So it, it'll be a mix of all that. And I think, and, um, which is kind of fun too. It's, mm-hmm. So <laughs> She really agrees. Yes, she does. <laughs> yeah. So um, has there been a lot of on-campus support as far as uh, like local creators or ever there been like a lot of, I know, I know things are weird now because campuses aren't really full, <laughs> of yeah. students, but have you gotten um, like any local response or like any on-campus response, like student artists, student writers, anyone who wants to, you know, to do this for their, for their school, for their imprint, things like that. Hmm. Yeah, not yet. And I, I, th- I think probably because we haven't formally launched, launched the imprint, mm, um, okay. but I do know I, I am tapped in with, with faculty who are, you know, working on in, in graphic medicine um, or, or comics. And so it could be that, yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting idea. It could be that as we launch the imprint, that through those channels that they might get the word out to students who might be interested in somehow participating. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the, the COVID anthology, was that always meant to be the, the first, like, the, I guess w- w- was the timing just right? Or was uh, for that to be the first project out of the gate? Right. Yeah. Yeah, sadly, the timing was just right, Um, you know, because we were planning to launch in the fall and then um, realized we had to delay. And then it just sort of the thought, the thought arose that um, this is actually, this would be a good time to collect these. And yeah, it coincides then with the launch of the, yeah. So that was not, that was not by design. And um uh, you know, we certainly don't want to be perceived as taking advantage of, of oh, sure. this to to get attention and launch a new imprint. Um, but what I love about this project, because because we're not, you know, we're not we're we're asking for donations from artists and writers um, for this particular project, and then we do plan to donate uh, uh, net proceeds from sale of the volume to organizations, um, that either, that either support, um, comics retailers or indie stores who sell graphic novels. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also comics artists themselves. So we're still in the process of pinning down, um, ideally we'd like to have two institutions or sorry, two organizations that, that, um, work with those two separate groups, the retailers and the artists. Um, and that, so it's going to take a while to work out the, the legal Mm -hmm. business there, but that's, that's what we plan to plan to do for this. And, um, I'm, I'm just really bowled over by the generosity of people who want to be in some way, um, involved in this and, um, and, and then it's, you know, I'm, I'm finding that, it's, it's a really great opportunity for me to be exposed to new talent, to make new contacts and, um, mm-hmm. and to sort of expand my, my networks. Um, so as an acquiring editor for the imprint, this is certainly helping me. Um, but, but again, it's just it's sort of the community 
effort that that um, is reassuring in in many ways and certainly helping me as I work on this project um, sure. sort of process what we're all going through and and hopefully when people hold the book in their hands they'll have a similar um, similar response that finds some sort of solace or meaning um, you know in this collection of comics. I, I can't help but be reminded of um, the time after uh, 9-11 when, in, in a similar fashion, when the comic companies and I mean, everybody just wanted to tell their stories. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like this, aside from just getting your story out there, this is, it's, it's very therapeutic, I think, for a lot of creators, for a lot of people that they have a story to tell. And no matter how they tell it, they want to get it out there, mm-hmm. whether whether to be heard or to um, to relate to other people, or just to like you said, like to let other people know, yeah, that there are stories to be tell, to be told and experienced. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of like when you turn the news on, um, if you can stomach that. Um, <laughs> every every time we turn the news on, I'm I, I'm. A new uh, something new, a, a new situation um, is presented that I thought, oh my god, yeah, I had hadn't thought. Of course, it mm-hmm. would affect that. Um, yeah, so I one of the submissions that um, I, I just need to be very vague about this, but um, is you know drawing a distinction between um, you know there's there's such a difference between the, the people who um, people who have what they need to cope and the people who just don't, you know, the withs and the Mm -hmm. withouts. Mm -hmm. And, and this um, writer artist is, is wanting to do a piece about um, it is he's fortunate enough to live on, on a beach that is not closed to the locals. Um, And so he's fortunate enough to be able to commune with nature and to, to go outside and to appreciate um, how, how how nature is responding to this in positive ways and how he sees more of a certain kind of bird species that he's ever seen before and um you know sort of soak up the the positives of the situation whereas the other person is is confined in four walls in a city and and you know doesn't have access to that kind of reaffirming environment um and so, yeah, I, I was really struck by, by yeah, I, I was struck by the way this this artist is so empathetic, um, of and, and able to you know put himself in the shoes of of people who don't who don't have the you know the 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 uh, who can't benefit from the situation he currently has, mm-hmm. and, yeah. Just to, so just in general, um, I guess we, we wouldn't be much of a comic book podcast if we didn't ask, are there any comics that, that you read or any graphic novels that you're a fan of? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I tend to, I tend, so, well, I should also tell you that I, um, so I was, my graduate training is in French literature. Um, I come out of a literary background and I was not one of those people who grew up reading comics or, or graphic novels. 
and um, was introduced to graphic novels again in, in the early 2000s when I came to Penn State University Press. And I was just absolutely bowled over by the, the power of the medium. Um, for, for whatever reason, I just never picked it up. Um, well, mm -hmm. probably because I was working on <laughs> an advanced degree <laughs> and was forced to read French novels all the time. <laughs> um, but so, so I'm, I was an instant convert and, um, and, you know, so, yeah. So, so what I, what I find myself gravitating toward are, um, the sort of more indie approach, um, artistic approach. Um, and some of my favorite, uh, some of my favorite authors are, um, you know, people like Lauren Redness, her radioactive, uh, Thunder and Lightning. I don't know if you've read those. Um, and, and that's so, so just fiction and nonfiction. Um, okay. you know, also, um, Tom Gold is, is a favorite of mine. Uh, Richard McGuire's here. Um, Sean Tan, The Arrival, uh, Sarah Glidden, um, Chris Ware, Lucy, Lucy Nisley. I don't know if it's Nisley or Nicely. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, um, Adrian Tomine, I, I love his work. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so I'm, I'm still discovering and, you know, that's, that's, that's a kind of a fun place to be in that there's, oh, yeah. there's so much out there. <laughs> and, um, mm -hmm. and then also, you know, because I do read French, um, just, uh, being exposed to the, the whole French landscape of graphic novels. Yeah, the, the, great. the French comic scene is very, very big, from what my understanding, at least. Um, my friend who co-hosted a previous podcast with me, uh, he went on his honeymoon to Paris and checked out all the comic shops and was exposed to all of the, you know, everything that they have over there, like Black Sad and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So it seemed really interesting. Yeah, and I actually started going to Angoulême in uh, the the festival there. Um, I I was about to ask about that because I I hear that's that's like the the, the show over there that it sounds fascinating for for France. Yeah, it is fascinating from a from a cultural perspective and then also um, from a from a graphic novel you know creative perspective. Um, I I went the first time I went was because I happened upon. Um, a woman at the Frankfurt Book Fair. Um, that's something that Penn State University Press goes to. And I was actually meeting with comics publishers there. And I just happened upon the right person at the right time who said, um, who is, um, you know, working with the French government. And uh, part of, they, they had a program where they were sponsoring something like a half a dozen North American or Anglo Anglo-American editors um, to fund their travel to Angoulême um, to encourage, you know, right sales for French for French work. That was an, initi an initiative by the French government to help, um, uh, you know, push French work uh, into the broader world via translations, and and that was great. Um, and then I decided to go back the second year on my own, but. It's a it's this old medieval town on a hill, and it's um, it's it, it, it's kind of hard to navigate. Um, it's hard. It's if you don't have French, it could be a little daunting to figure out mm -hmm. what to do. It's it's well, I guess it's a typical. It's, you know, a lot of conferences are sometimes not. Um, I don't, I'm trying not to offend people here, but you know, sometimes. <laughs> 
haphazardly organized and mm -hmm. uh, sure. So, but it's, it's great. I, um, I encourage anyone who's interested in, and uh, yeah, interested in primarily the comics, uh, the French comic scene to, to go at least once. I, yeah, I have no idea what's going to happen next year. If, um, hopefully travel will be back and, um, and yeah, that'll continue, but mm -hmm. yeah, that, that was fun. Um, Link, do you uh, uh, do you have any, um, any other questions? Not off the top of my head. Okay, um, Kedra, was there anything else that you wanted to mention, or, or any any anywhere we can we could direct people if they were interested in either uh, learning more or or uh, contributing to the project? Oh yeah, thanks. Um, they can. Um... I, I can I can give you my email address, um, and then at, if if someone wants to email me because they're interested in the anthology, then I can also point them to uh, some additional informational materials. Um, but I am at klb60 at psu.edu. Um, the title of the anthology is COVID Chronicles, a comics anthology. Um, we're going to be start starting working on the cover art soon. Uh, plan to have it out in January, and yeah, really happy to to continue to collect. I mean, there's there's time to uh, to collect additional submissions, um, and then also just if people are interested in the larger Graphic Monday Monday project, um, we will be unveiling you know the beginnings of a website again in early early June. And I, you know, just going to the Penn State University Press website should um, direct them to that if they're interested in checking that out. And um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's about it. I, I really want to thank you for your interest. Oh no, absolutely! Thank you for for coming on and 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 literally educating us about this, <laughs> about this entire uh, uh, endeavor. I mean. I, I, a, it's 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 such a great thing to do, and B, uh, like I said, it's just the 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 amount of work that it sounds like it's involved is just staggering and and impressive. So um, yeah, we will definitely put all that uh, information out there on our show notes and spread the word. And um, but thank you again for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, oh, my pleasure. Yeah, thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. It was nice to meet both of you. Yeah. Okay. So, so th that was Kendra Boileau, uh, publisher of Graphic Mundi from Penn State University Press. And uh, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Comic Book Pit. This has been Comic Book Pit episode 350. I'm Dan. I'm Link. And thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.